What's up? I'm Jeff Weiss, a writer. And I'm No Can Do, a rapper. And this is Shots Fired, a podcast about hip-hop and pogs. Pogs, you threw me off, man. I'm sorry. But we can keep going, though. I like an Alf Pog. <laughs> did you have any good Pogs back in the day? I never fucked with Pogs. You never I did? I thought it was really stupid. I mean, low-key, that's one of those games that when you're a kid, if you're good at it, later on you become a gambling addict. Yeah. It's like Pokemon. Or a Dungeons & Dragons professional. It, it, not really. Pogs, was, there was no like science no behind crossover. it. No crossover? It was all like, I'm going to throw this piece and if I win all of your pieces, then I am the best. Yeah, it didn't make any sense, dude. It was like not enough pragmatism for me. I'm like, why? No, no, I don't no. want any of these bugs. It's it's the same amount of ha ha ha. It's the same amount of pragmatism as throwing fucking dice. You know, I actually as a dad, I like go to Chuck E. Cheese, and the Chuck E. Cheese has the same vibe as Vegas. Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. Except I like Chuck E. Cheese more than Vegas. I mean, but if you're a kid, it's the same thing. There's all these, like, flashing lights and all, like, you can win tickets if you keep putting money into this thing. And, like, you know, if you take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese enough, I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, baby Vegas, you know? Yeah, I'm just, I knocked over a guitar, and I'm going to start playing the guitar. Yo, okay, can, can I hear a couple riffs? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to do a little Jack Johnson right now. <laughs> <laughs> da -da -dee, da -da -da, what's yeah. new what's new in the world man just guitar man just singing <laughs> my guitar i always want an acoustic deal you sound like a beetle right now i sound like young elliot smith <laughs> <laughs> what's new i saw action bronson last night and it was really awesome actually really um, which was a predictable thing that i would say but i was really impressed yeah he threw out a he said it was a quarter pound of weed. It looked like maybe like a couple, eight, a couple, a couple ounces, but it was. Oh, uh, he shorted you on the sack. Yeah, you know, but he, like I like his exact. He was great. Now he had really. Uh, he brought out like Absol. Mm -hmm. uh, Did Absol talk about you know the government? Yeah, Absol came out and he's like, "Where's your pineal gland? Tell now. Pick the spot in your body." And everyone's like, "Uh." Yeah, where all of his chakras aligned and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's meditative. Um, he was there. Uh, Mac Miller came out and did a, a, sh a song. Mac Miller's the L.A. rap ambassador. He's 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 been to Low End before, which was like you're not supposed to be here, low key. Yeah, you know, like he's 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 like if there's rap and it's cool and it's happening in L.A., he's there. He's hard to dislike. I, I don't think he's like great or anything, but he's like has good enthusiastic. energy. He's enthusiastic, and you're like it, you feel bad that he got so much shit. I probably made fun of him. Yeah, yeah. My fair share. Nah, you made fun of every white rapper except for Action Bronson, actually. Yellow Wolf. And you haven't made fun of Yellow Wolf. No, I like Yellow Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not as much as I used to, but I respect the guy. Yeah, He yeah. got drunk faster than anyone I've ever seen him get drunk. I mean, I, you know, I think Yellow Wolf is still a great rapper and great musician. I think yeah. he just got caught up in some label shit, you know? Yeah, well, you know, he just kind of just did what they, he had Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just like I don't think he made like the bad album, but I think he like was like this is what they want. I'll give them what they want, and you're like don't give your captors what you want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spin their face. Yeah. The, he, once you put on that leather jacket, man, you, you know. Oh that, yeah. You know he he put like he put. He should have like, just picked up this guitar. And... He put ten years on him. Man. So hey, look. What? Sorry, I'm getting my inner white person on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, give me a guitar. <laughs> that is not very Jewy of you, but it's okay. Uh, tell Bob Dylan and Mark Bowen of T-Rex that. But Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. But look, so let's talk about this fucking, I don't know if this is really going to happen, and it kind of sickens me, the George Zimmerman DMX, oh, DMX fight. And how do you feel about that? Uh, uh, I was telling my wife the other day that, uh, you know, George Zimmerman, he was, you know, uh, not guilty for a crime, for a, a heinous crime. 
you know, because of the the laws of the state or whatnot. But I feel like uh, his punishment is the same as you know. Uh, Cain from the Bible, you know, like yeah. it's basically you know, the wandering Jew forced to roam the end of the earth. No one will hire him. He's no. his life is going to be shit. Yeah, but he got paid a hundred grand for a painting, so fuck him. Yeah, you know, you know that whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, he's still George Zimmerman, and no matter where yeah. he goes, he has to look over yeah, his like shoulder. George Zimmerman probably gets bitches though because he gets like weird, crazy George, like Charles Manson probably. Get, you, there's you know, yeah, yeah George, Char- Charles Manson got bitches. But the thing See, about I it wish is that the he people, was rewarded by not ever getting women. No, that would be a great punishment. But he's going like, to get every horrible girl. women. He's going to yeah, get horrible. women that make his life harder. He's going to get you know, like it's, his life is just going to be harder. He's going to have to hang around neo Nazis that don't really like him because he's like you know he's Latin Mexican. Yeah. You know, and he's the worst person ever. And, and you know, but like, I feel like you know him getting attention in this such this in, in such a way is like it's a reward. It's a reward, I agree. You yeah, know? you're and, rewarding bad behavior. Yet and yet, I still hope that DMX kills him. Nah, no, no, no. I, I don't not think kills be, like not like Rocky four kills, but like you know Rocky. I, I, th- I think it's, I think it's making Three. I think it's making light of what really happened and, and and all this shit with his family making this guy some sort of celebrity and then secondly DMX you know has drug issues and totally. like it's these pro- problems so it's like you're taking this person who is a great artist and you're amping him up you know yeah. m- you know using him a part of this big ugly ugly American thing so you're saying you would have preferred the game to fight him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean but the game wanted to. I would I would honestly prefer for this is to be totally honest, I would have preferred for, you know, him to disappear and yeah. be found in a hole somewhere. Totally. You know? Yeah. Like that's the only retribution that that I you know, if there was if if God was like God in the I Old think, Testament. I think he will. Him. I think somebody's gonna get him at some point. He's gonna get his at some point. Yeah, but like a fucking a fight for money, like that's not cool. That's not No, cool. it's not I mean, yeah. It's yeah. like you know, Ridiculous. <laughs> when you, what else? You have a tour. We're about to. We should probably. You're about to go on tour for. Yeah, I'm going on tour, but the podcast is still happening, though. We think this is going to be a lot of a lot of glitches. Yeah, yeah get yeah. ready. But uh, our first show is going to be on the uh, the 11th and Fullerton at the Slide Bar. If I should say that it's me. Uh, bus driver, uh, Milo, open mic eagle, and most importantly, um, the wave. The wave is going to be there. Yeah. The the, the good vibes. Um, but we're uh, Fullerton on the 11th, Riverside on the 12th, and this is all, all of February. Um, San Francisco on the 14th, uh, Ashland, Oregon uh, on the 15th, Seattle, Washington on the 17th, Portland, Oregon on the 18th. But really, you should just you know follow me at at MC No Can Do on Instagram. All my dates are going to come up there. Yeah. And uh, but at least for this week, if you yeah. listen to sh- uh, you know shots fired, you know you know where to find me. Yeah. yeah anyways, I misspoke earlier because we just taped an audio push episode, which will come out during our absence. But this is our DJ Qbert episode. Oh shit! I'm a oh we just snitched on ourselves. But yeah, shout out to Qbert. <laughs> Secrets are ruined. Yeah, Qbert came in. It was it was, it was great because I mean he is one of the greatest DJs of all time. Yeah, he's one of the greatest turntablists of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, came in and just. You know, I was a big fan of his like uh, pumpkin squeeze demolition mix and Camel Bobside mix he did with Shadow and just yeah, you you you, you, you were fanboying out a little bit. I, didn't, I never expected that from you. You I, showed I wasn't your fanboying. You, out. you showed your inner backpack. No, you, you knew more than more than I thought you would know about turntablism, bruh. I know everything because I'm like Vicky the robot who can pick up a book and just memorize. No, <laughs> you're a small. I do. You know, wonder. you do. Re- you do your like. I you know I. Uh, I was a big fan of I, – I went to my fair share of turntable events. I wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, on the I, – I can't differentiate a Wicca Wicca from, a, you know, a more impressive 
one, but I just you you know Cuber, you're like he's a musician, so it's like it doesn't when you get to that, I think that level, you're not like just a turntablist. I mean, Invisible Scratch because are musicians, so they're like they're taking jazz approach and putting mm-hmm. it, you know, and it, uh, you know, just listen to more jazz. I like jazz. Yeah, anything yeah, yeah. that anything that can take the jazz approach and and in low in low key like you know kids are deprived by like you know the I think how music uh, how it's so easy to forget about the inspirations of the past, you know, yeah. because of things or whatnot. And I feel like there's a lot of people who just would never understand why jazz is important or why it's cool, totally. even though it's, it's like... It's coming back, though. Breathing it's like a, the main broth the of The breathing America. effect on Alpha Pop. The breathing effect. That, that, that is some good shit. That yeah, is yeah. some good shit. Thundercat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... But, uh, yeah, Cooper came in and he also told us the most amazing cool key story, which we kind of teased out on the uh, the video, which you should be watching, but... Mm-hmm. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, so this is us talking to Cubert. Go see the Hellfire Club tour if you're listening to this all around the country. The, the Dorner versus Tukey tour all around the country. Uh, talk to me about Shots Fired podcast. You know, that, you know, we're, I'm starting a campaign. I'm going to start a petition to, uh, to get, I guess if we get enough uh, signatures, we're going to get you and Drake to just have a conversation that has nothing to do with music, but just on, like, just grow, growing up being a Jew. No, like, me and Drake would end up being, like, it'd get really bad, because then I'd be like, oh, I can't even dislike Drake anymore. I'd be like, no, he's a really good guy. Yeah, yeah, no. So what happens whenever I interview somebody that I don't want to, like, interview? I just want to know. I end up being, like, 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 me and Big Sean. I'm like, I'm, I'm really happy for you, Big Sean. And you're like, who is saying these horrible things? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, I just need to know more about being, like, you know, like, the, the Jewish lifestyle and, like, hip-hop. And, like, I just want to know. I'll just play Drake one-on-one for money in basketball. You think yeah. I'd win for sure? How tall is Drake? Doesn't matter. Will you dunk on Drake? I could, I could probably get if I like trained for a month. I could get my dunking on. Yeah. I would definitely like get hardcore. If I had to play Drake one on one for money, you better believe that I would lock myself and be like, "Bitch, he wouldn't be with me shooting in the gym." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'd be there constantly oh, alone. Okay, that's that's the goal. Okay, so we <laughs> found it out. A petition to get Drake and Jeff Weiss to do a one on one basketball game. Are we going to twenty one? We going to thirteen? What are we doing? I what, think thirteen is eleven. To, eleven win by you know one. You win by two. And then after that, then what's the what's the? But it has to be like no like. Referees though, that's like call you. I'll, I'll be the, I'll you be can the be referee because yeah, I know nothing totally. about basketball. Yeah. I'll be like, what? I've never seen that. Drake in definitely would have the young legs, but I'm thinking that my post up game and like my, you know, the physical kind of, yeah, 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 like my young Tom Gugliotta game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, all right, let's get to this podcast, right. man. Shots fire, pow.
I just all right. We're recording. Are we, Kev, we have we have our a first time. We have a, like a professional engineer back there. Actually, a man of multi talents, Daddy Kev. Yo, uh, this is shots fired. I'm no can do. I'm here with Jeff Weiss. Salutations and the legendary DJ Cubert. And uh, right now we're we we started having a conversation about the the Grammys, and then Cubert said asked if Kendrick was in the Illuminati. And then it, it got to, it rolled off to Dre being in, it's Dre in the Illuminati. Definitely, since World Cross Wrecking Crew, which was an Illuminati front. You think so? <laughs> I think like, Lorenzo's After Dark? I thought everybody Illuminati. in the Grammys was Illuminati. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like, like you, like they won't Except let you Esperanza's in the Illuminati if they, unless they know how you work in organizations already. <laughs> if you're not in a street gang or a fraternity, I don't think they let you in. <laughs> Well, I think I think they just you know it could be an act you know yeah. they just want they want you to promote it so they they make you like okay you signed your soul away so we need you to make this amount of gangster music and this type of hypnosis to make people buy this type of drug boom 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 and yeah blah blah blah. But do you think the Mexican mafia is in the Illuminati because they're making a lot of money off that drug? Oh yeah, you yeah, think, all like, that it's all Chapo, connected. Chapo Guzman. Yeah, that it dude? could be anything anything evil promoting uh, you know evil. It's like. Uh, would you join the Illuminati Cuber? Hell no, I'm the I'm on the side of light for hip hop. <laughs> okay, know? okay. What about you, Jeff? Um, how much does it pay? <laughs> <laughs> you get a very know, I mean, you get a very good life after you uh, yeah, sacrifice I'm, by yeah, someone I was saying I'm pretty kill sure someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in the Illuminati because I didn't get invited to any Grammy parties, so I'm decidedly not in the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. I felt really oh, good. But you're also not a fuckboy. <laughs> that felt really Grammy good. Parties, it's a lot of it's a lot of like fuckboy who's to see yeah, who. Yeah, it kind felt of thing. really good to not get invited to any Grammy parties because yeah. I was like, wow, that's great that I'm not in the fuckboy genocide, as as how shoes would say. The fuckboy genocide. Yeah, how shoes was leading a fuckboy genocide. He told me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But these yeah. are all like conspiracy theories, you know. Might not, might be true, might not. Yeah, okay, a, forget it then. I think every episode of Shots Fired should just be a different conspiracy theory episode. Yeah. Did you, you hear the one about the uh, the one uh, Professor Griff was talking about? How, who's who? Who's in the Illuminati? Who's not? Like, see now, see, see we, explain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you was talking about how like like you know, of course, the the obvious Jay Z and uh, uh, Kanye West and yeah. um, Eminem and those all. You these think st- they would let? See, I would think Jay Z and Eminem could be in Illuminati, but not Kanye West. Kanye wants to be in the Illuminati. He's so like a loudmouth. <laughs> no, he, she's yeah, absolutely. He um he uh, supposedly the rumor was um, you know don't quote me on this. I just heard that he uh, he had to sacrifice his you. mother. He killed his mother. That is a crazy to, rumor. Uh, as a sacrifice to get into the Illuminati. 
Check this out. I don't know if this is true. I'm just hearing stuff. And this Check is this like out. Interesting. I, I was I was explaining this actually to my wife because yeah. I I went to like the super pro pro black school when I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. And uh, like I don't know any stories like Charlotte's Web. Like I know, <laughs> like I don't know, like fucking it's a, a fine tale. Like yeah, yeah, no. So my but daughter a pig talks about that stuff. Spider. But so there's this there's this old West African uh fable children's story called Gasir's Loot, and it's about a guy that had to basically kind of like set up his sons to die seven times so he can learn how to play the guitar really well. Hmm. And you know, it's, it's basically about loss. So I mean, you know, if the if the Illuminati or you know, and it's about the first uh, the first ever musician in Africa. So ah, if wow. you know, if Kanye West had to put you know kill his mom, you know. I mean, what record came after that? That's that's the question. What record? I don't know, but he was complaining about the he didn't he didn't like um he didn't like being in the Illuminati after that after a while. If you you know you'll notice some of some of his his lyrics and stuff. Yeah, he was like, "Damn, what have I done?" You know, type shit. Oh, it's all like regretful. I feel if Kanye joined the Illuminati, he would be upset that that he's not into the inner circle of the Illuminati. Yeah, like he'd be mad that like there's another layer of the Illuminati. Oh, sure, there's higher (laughs) levels. They're just all pawns in the game. Sure. Yeah. Um, Kanye West reminds me of a kid that's never got a spanking. I tweeted about this before. <laughs> is that kids that have never? I have a theory that if you've never got a spanking as a child, or just like you know some like real good timeouts, then you're <laughs> then you're a snitch. You're you you grow up to be a prison snitch yeah. if you ever go to go to jail because you don't know how to deal with the repercussions of punishment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't know how to look within thyself. And I feel like if Kanye West was in the Illuminati. You know, he just like as soon as it got bad for him, he just started fucking signing <laughs> affidavits what do you need and to know? pointing fingers and shit like that. You know, he'd have Jay Z and Beyonce so fast. He acts like a kid that's never been spanked before. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You see that picture of uh, Jay Z when he was in the twenties? Uh, like he oh, was. that was he's, he's, like, the time traveler. That was yeah, eerie. Ooh, I was deep. What? That, you yeah. never saw that photo? No. It's uncanny. He is completely looks amazing, just like Jay Z, and it's from the nineteen twenties, and it's like nineteen twenties Harlem. I like, saw I saw a girl that looked like Murder Mook in Belgium. That's crazy. Yeah, Jay Z looks like like Newsies, like the movie really? Newsies. Yeah, he's got the news. Are you sure it wasn't like the American Gangster like uh, set a promo? It's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like viral marketing for the sequel. Okay. All right, well, let's talk to Q. So I want to talk about the Illuminati more. I, who, Q, give us more information <laughs> about who might be in the Illuminati. Oh man, this is tons. Like uh, almost all these uh, famous artists that are really high up in the ranks, and and you know it's like. You know, you basically sell your soul to the devil to, um, you know, get, have a good life here, you know, yeah. but of course after you're, you're, you know, you sold your soul to the devil, but you know, uh, geez, there's, there's a lot of, just type it in, uh, uh, check out Professor Griff, you know, the public enemy guy, yeah. man, he's got a great interview online with, uh, this is a radio show called Coast to Coast AM yeah. and he just oh, yeah, spills the beans on, yeah. on everything about hit. It's called, it was, a, it was the biggest, um, uh, uh, uh radio show for Coast to Coast. It was yeah. called hip. Illuminati in the in the hip hop industry. It was sick. Is Professor Griff in the Illuminati? Professor, no, he's on the side of light. Yeah. So he's exposing all all the um, all the uh, you know the deep nitty gritty type shit. And and um, yeah, he's on the side of hip hop where you know where we grew up with the mm-hmm. origins of hip hop, which is you know peace, love, and and having fun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and then now hip hop is is not even experimental anymore. It's it's just like oh, there's a formula right here. Boom, just and. And that's it. That's why a lot of these songs on the uh, radio, the mainstream, are just like, what they the hell? Every the song same. is the same crap. And you know, but then if you listen to like other shows, uh, like Tony Touch's radio shows, all you know, real raw hip hop and yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or premiere show or you know, low end theory. Yeah. And, you know. you th- so back back when you you guys were doing, like when the 
ISP first started, the Invisible Scratch Pickles, the yeah. motherfucking Invisible Scratch Pickles, the amazing, like, illustrious, like, like me and all my homies, like, you know, listen to everything you guys did uh. back in the day, like, you know, because you said something about every, they're not even innovating. Were you guys, like, aiming to innovate with mm-hmm. what you guys were doing, or were you just yes. having fun, or what was it doing? Oh, like both, having fun and innovating. It was uh, because long time ago when we first started. Uh, when, when did you guys first start? Oh, 1985. What when, city? Uh, San Francisco. San Francisco, okay. Yeah, and we, uh, this guy from New York, uh, Mixmaster Ice from UTFO, mm-hmm. every time we heard him on a record, um, our first lesson was every time he came out, he had a new scratch. So mm-hmm. we were like, oh, okay, that's how you're supposed to come out. That's the rules of mm-hmm. of being a DJ. You got to come with something new every time. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he was always original. So it was like, oh, that's, that's the rules. Okay, let's, let's, let's try to do this hip-hop thing. Yeah. So that, that was... Did you ever get the Steinsky stuff that he was oh, doing yeah. with then? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Amazing too. Mass media. So you grew up in uh, like the Outer Mission? Uh, I grew up in uh, the Excelsior District in uh-huh. San Francisco. And everyone thinks I'm from Daly City, but that was because of that movie Scratch. But I'm I'm from Frisco. What was Excelsior? Excelsior District. Where's that? That's what? like uh, you know where um, Mission and Geneva cross. Yeah, right yeah, around yeah. There. yeah. That's right by by what's or that? Sunnydale Projects. It's yeah, like right around there. Mm-hmm. What was the San Francisco uh, hip hop scene like at that time? It was a hell of b boys at that time. Like that movie uh, uh, Beach Street just came out and mm-hmm. breaking, and everybody was doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, and we all had the, the wannabe Michael Jackson jackets with the zippers, and yeah, you know I had the pleather jacket, you know, with the but red. it was fresh though. <laughs> yeah, to the bandana and all that, you know, it was it was kind of embarrassing actually. Now, do you have any photos of this? I do. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, I'll put it online just to laugh. Will we see it on Throwback Thursday? I'll I'll, I'll put it up on yeah. I'll, I'll do some Instagram at DJ Cuber. Look for that. I'll I'll throw up a Can funny you, picture. Did you used to break too? Oh yeah, I yeah. used to break, but I sucked really bad. Yeah. I used to do King Tut, and it was really. Like it's, to pop in the. Psh, psh, it wasn't was even popping. It was it was terrible. Shit was called strutting back then in Frisco. It's called strutting. Yeah. What yeah. about the early Bay Area rap? Were you were you pretty heavy into that, or were you? No, I was more East Coast, East Coast guy. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Uh, Rakim and Kooji rap and and Big Daddy Kane, Lakim mm. Shabazz and um, Phil Most Chill. They all had that that f- rapid fire. Yeah, it was like Richie Rich, wasn't he? Like early. Richie Rich was. Uh, that's the. D- I remember DJ Richie Rich for third base. Yeah. I don't know another Richie Rich. Was the one from the Bay? I don't know. I oh, like oh you talking about you talking about Richie, Bay Area or yeah. MCs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh Area yeah, one. Bay Area MCs were, were super gangster. There was like um, Coognut and and um, Coognut. Yeah. He was, was he around back in that, those days? Uh, oh no no no, not those days, but a little later. Yeah. yeah but okay. they they all talk about smoking crack and, and smoking. Uh, Coke and Chewies and putting weed and uh, yeah. putting uh, Coke and everything and cracking the alcohol. That's what it's called. Andre Nicotina. Andre Nicotina, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was thuggy stuff, but it was, everybody loved it in the Bay. Yeah, I, I love how the Bay really, like, they really, before any any place other than New York, I mean, New York was like that, but mm-hmm. they also had, like, a, a, a international and a national audience first, but the Bay was, like, the place where they supported local local stuff, like, yeah. like, like a dude like, you know, Cougnut or Richie Rich, it's too like, short. It's like too that, short. You know, that's... you know, those dudes are, they matter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Versus if you're in like a city, you know, that that didn't have his, I mean, the Bay just had an identity. Well, Master P, yeah. like, I mean, he got Master that P, whole yeah. distribution mm-hmm. model from basically mm-hmm. the Bay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, was a, it was the production that, why New York stuck out for us because uh-huh. it was the, you know, Marley Marl was, you know, pumping out all those weird, like, you know, uh, raw beats from the 60s and, and mm-hmm. 70s and putting that into hip hop with like 808 and stuff. And yeah. it was, that was, that was what really shined for us as far as, you know, the hip-hop back then. Okay. And you met, like, Mixed Master Mac in high school, right? I met him, yeah. Uh, what did I meet him? 1985? I don't even know what. No, it was after high school. I was going to a music engineering school. And um, 
I, well, I didn't meet him there, but I met him at a, a birthday party. My friend said, hey, check out this guy. Uh-huh. And I was already trying to learn how to scratch. And Mike had started a month before me. So I, I went to go see him. I was like, who's this mixed mess of Mike? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And I, I did my little waka, waka. Waka, waka, waka. And I thought I was like, I was, I was, I thought it blew everybody away. And he yeah. got up there, let me try that. He went, I was like, oh my God. And after that, I was like, I was totally embarrassed. And then I, but I followed him to every show and I learned, yeah. learned everything from him. So I was biting everything from him. I was like a, whatever, what do you call it? Like a, a, a sponge. Yes, absolutely. Well, worse than that, I was like <laughs> a, 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 a stalker. Yeah. That's tight. Yeah. Were there a lot of scratch DJs in the Bay at that time, or not? Not that many. There was like there was when we go when there's like little battles that would pop up. All of a sudden, all these guys from all over the Bay would pop up mm-hmm. and stuff. Did you have any early nemesis that like like it, early local nemesis? Like you'd always battle this <laughs> dude, and like he like somebody that was like you know like a rival, a true rival outside mm, of your crew. No, nah, not really. It was more like uh, sometimes I would battle the local uh, 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 radio DJs Yeah, and they wouldn't do like barely any kind of scratching or anything but yeah. we would be doing all kinds of stuff but they would win because uh, the, the judges... Because they're fuckboys. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> they're sure, the, yeah. they're the new Illuminati. Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now back to the Illuminati. <laughs> Low-key, like I remember watching like a video with you guys and it's like you guys were saying like you know you, you guys are like communicating with aliens when you guys mm-hmm. scratch like that that's almost like some mysterious higher power shit you know like like just being connected with something that's not there like did you when you were young did you guys feel that or did you just say that just so you can like you know do you say that just just to add mystique to what you're doing you know no it's actually true it's actually we are basically a fish tank here for like hired beings to to watch us so you know just be conscious of that when you're masturbating <laughs> um, but no, really, it's it's it's. Def- oh, you want to watch this? <laughs> yeah, aliens, watch this. <laughs> it's changing the way I look at porn now. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's so. That's that was our mentality. We were into all these um like uh, uh alien type music. You know, we were like, how does this sound? What does music sound like out there? And we started reading stuff on the internet, and it was like, oh, okay, it's like. There's, there's actually beings around us like guardian angels and maybe your old family members in another um, behind the veil checking you out. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're playing music, you know. Were there any musicians in your family? Uh, no, no. I, really? But, yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. No just, musicians in your family. You know, they could have been, but they just chose different paths. So mm-hmm. Any people that were just like just talented? You well, know, like- actually, my grandfather owned a record company in the Philippines, but I never mm-hmm. I never met him because he was way older and stuff, and he probably had passed away. And, okay. And so maybe that tr- translated through me after yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, two generations. When did you start uh, digging? I, I assume you didn't get any of his collection or anything. I, pff, I, yeah, I didn't get anything of his. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> gotta move that yeah you're very very popular <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, you know I don't know what that's about but um yeah it was just um my mom when I was in her tummy she would say I, I kicked when she would play music what and, and then uh and I went well I remember when I was a kid I was uh what what's the highest form of music and she said uh jazz music mm-hmm. and so that's what that was my first uh like thing I would translate into scratching did you ever play any instruments uh, I tried violin and, and piano and that's about it. But no, I wasn't very good at all. Mm-hmm. Were you pretty good immediately when you first got it, like a pair, tur- like a pair of turntables? Absolutely not. No. Basically, way. what we're saying is, are you made out of magic? No, <laughs> I, I I lost a lot. I lost more battles than I won battles back in the days. And uh, like a real G. 
This year. That's Did you ever lose a lot of freestyle battles when you fuck, first started? Fuck yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah. You, gotta, you, have to, you have to lose. You have to learn how to lose to even, like, win, you know, mm-hmm. I think. What's that guy? That guy that, uh, the world's record for um, stolen bases is this one guy. Well, I forgot his name, but he, he got the world's record for stolen bases for, in baseball. Oh, uh, Ricky ha- Anderson? Something like that. Yeah. He also has the world's record for being most tagged out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, like Cy Young, the guy with like he won like 511 games. He lost four. He lost 400 times. That yeah. was when those fools would pitch, they would pitch like nine innings every game on like two days of rest, and yeah, it was yeah, insane. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So when did you? Um, so you and Mike, like, did you guys like? You know, were you like when you and so you went to New York, and then you guys encountered Crazy Legs, right? Oh yeah, that was like, yeah, yeah, 1990. Uh, one, 1990 around there. That's crazy. Yeah. So what's it like when you Apollo. meet? I'm sure. Did you grow up like kind of like I like? I'm sure you grew up watching like Rocksteady videos and stuff and like. Oh yeah, all the, the B boys. Oh yeah, definitely. The whole New York was you know they started hip hop, so they were the most advanced uh, mm-hmm. at it and stuff. So what was like? What was it like? Where did you go? How did how did the meeting happen? What was New York like at the time when you're coming to visit? So there was a thing called the New Music Seminar where they had all these MC battles and yeah. and, and B boy battles and and, and um what year uh, was DJ that? battles. Oh, that was like. We never got to one until like in 1990, 91, yeah. 92. Yeah. But before that, I think they started in uh, probably 87, 86. Yeah. I think Jazzy Jeff won the first one or something like that. Or DJ Cheese won 85 and Cash Money won 87. And then they had, they had all these battles with uh, Melly Mel would win the MC battle every single year. Really? Until KRS1 stepped in. He was like, fuck that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, to call this guy out. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Um, uh, the story was Melly Mel would, uh, if he if he would lose, he would be like, fuck that, I really won. He would take the belt and run out, run out. He also lifted a lot of weights. Yeah. He lifted a lot of weights, too. So yeah, and they wouldn't, they would fuck you. You won, motherfucker. Fuck. Yeah. Melly Mel would have to get packed out in the parking lot <laughs> fucking with me. <laughs> you can't take my, you can't, I won, motherfucker. Uh, dude. But he was sick, and Melly Mel was dope if you watched the videos. He, yeah, he was an advanced lyricist. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about the fact that the message came out in like 1980, like that song is pretty wild. Like, yeah. And the beat too. It's a pretty insane beat to be made in 1980. Oh man, a lot yeah, of times flash. A lot of times people think because something is old, older, that it's not as uh, that it's not as advanced, you know. But uh, dude, there's a lot of like older songs. To be totally honest, this is gonna sound stupid, but I was like fucking listening to K Day, bro, and mm-hmm. fucking yeah, Hammers Can't Touch This came on. <laughs> And then I was listening to the cadence that you know he did like the whole first and second second verse with. It's like and Melly. <laughs> nah, it's something. It's something way. It's it's something like way more complex mm. than a lot of like pop records now. Like Explain it's, it. It's I, just. Uh, dun, 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 oh no, uh, I forgot which cadence it was, but it's just bouncing all over the place, and it has the same space every, basically every every two it changes and then it goes down into like you know the next four like the same then it goes back to that two after that four hmm. and then it's just it's just it's a crazy little math problem did you wow. did you dislike yeah. hammer growing up in the bay because I, I interviewed souls of mischief and i was and they like they hated hammer they fucking hated hammer because they looked at yeah. him as like he was everything like wrong with hip-hop yeah what it was too simple but then his first uh beats were actually pretty pretty like you know you get the party going yeah yeah, yeah. The, what is it, it with really fucking like real hip-hop and then not liking the party even though they like to party, yeah. like you know what I'm saying, like I don't, I don't, I don't, I get it because I've been that person, you know. Mm-hmm. But like you know, like let's say somebody like Nelly. I used to hate Nelly, bro. Mm. I used to hate Nelly. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. You know, like yeah. I, it was the antithesis of who I was as a young scruffy face kid at Project Blow. You know. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, 
Then one day, it just hit me. I was in Rosarito. I was pretty drunk. <laughs> uh-huh. I was dancing with a beautiful girl. And then a Nelly song mixed in with the song that I did like. I yeah. hope it was E.I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was whatever one that starts off with a, like a dog bark or some shit. And then I was like, <laughs> they all oh, do. Yeah, fuck with Nelly. It's cool. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, yeah. When and you're in that zone and for party mode, yeah, those things, those things work. But yeah. when you're in your intellectual zone, that doesn't work at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man. I don't know. I don't know. I was. I, I, I like country grammar. About, yeah, about, <laughs> I did. Was, I didn't Mexico. like anything else, but I like country grammar. Um, so yeah, tell me a little. Like, I'm kind of curious. You know, like, so you meet, you met, you make. What did crazy like say to you? How did you get into rock steady? Okay, so uh, you know, we we were at the new music seminar and we uh, did a little showcase with our our, our rap group, which was FM Two O, and the MCs did some, and we were scratching behind them, and then uh, the MCs are right, we're gonna give the the DJ's little solo, go, you guys go do your thing, don't mind, you know, whatever, let's all, let's all go get some refreshments, whatever. <laughs> and so me, Mixmaster Mike, and Apollo had a routine, a little 10-minute uh, routine, and Crazy Legs was listening, and he was like, whoa, that, they have a, a DJ band up there, like somebody's actually drumming, scratching, somebody's playing bass line, and Mixmaster Mike's, you know, scratching chickens and all this stuff, you know, it was bizarre stuff, and he was chickens. like, oh, man, you know, I'm just, whatever, anything, <laughs> yes, like that. So, you know, interesting sounds, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wow, I've never seen this. This is like an evolution of, of you know, of hip-hop. So mm. he was like, hey, man, you guys got to be down with us, uh, Rock City crew. And then that's how we met Legs. And we were the first Rock City DJs. And we were, this is before Invisible Scratch Pickles. And then he was showing us all these underground tapes of, check out, this is real hip-hop. Listen to this. And he would play uh, a Grandmaster Flash or a Grand Wizard Theodore mixtape. And it was just all these breaks from the 60s and 70s, you know. Yeah. That b-boy, it's the real deep b-boy stuff. And that was our first exposure to like, whoa, that's some real raw Like hip-hop. old routines from the Bronx and like yeah, just like 79. Yeah, something. they were yeah. just, they weren't playing any new music. It was just all like James Brown type shit and, mm-hmm. all, you know, funky drummer and all that. And yeah. then it was just to hear that well, being Now scratched. it's common, but I'm pretty sure at yeah, that time. Yeah, at that time it was like unheard rare. of. Like, whoa, why would you even mess with that stuff? And mm-hmm. we were listening to all the drums and they were all very interesting and and how did that impact like your own kind of approach to music? So from there, I uh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that idea, and I made my first mixtape, which was a uh, Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze music, yeah, and I, I made that, but then I I put with all the uh, up to date scratching on it. Uh huh. Yeah. So that was when did that come in? Ninety four. That was yes, that's right, ninety four. Ninety four. So yeah. like, I'm I'm trying to think about like, what, and did you know like Shadow at that point, like from Bay Area? Yeah. Stuff? What's interesting is we were called uh, the the name of our group before Rock City Crew. Uh, Roxy DJs, I'm sorry, was we were called the Shadow DJs. Oh, wow. So we met Shadow in the Bay Area because he lived there and he was, hey, uh, I kind of patented that name. And he was like, <laughs> who the fuck are you? And shit. And, and, and He's we like, I'm like, Josh. Yeah. But then, you know, we became cool and stuff and we was like, oh, yeah, let him have it. So we had to change no, our give name. Give us the real story, man. That's, that's the real you guys, story. You guys didn't have to knife fight? <laughs> no, no, no. You guys, it was nothing shady? Uh, a little bit. You know, as kids, you know, we was like little trying to be want to be gangsters. Like, what the fuck? You know, take, <laughs> yeah, taking yeah. our name. We're the fucking, we're the fuck Shadow, you know, but. Yeah. Because we were trying to be like, a, I think had Public Enemy was, was out back then and it was Public Enemy and they had the DJ in the back was uh, Terminator X and so we, we had a group so we had the, our our MCs were like uh, the prophet or whatever and we were the shadow of the prophet yeah. you know? <laughs> and yes. so yeah, but okay. whatever but yeah me and Shadow are dogs now and then you did the Camel yeah. Bobsled mix right? yeah for Shadow yes yeah, yeah that's really cool have you ever heard that? it's tight mm. it's like uh, scratching over like uh, songs from introducing and stuff and really? Kind of, yeah. yeah bunch of different Shadow, bunch uh, of, yeah, shadow beats and, and other production that sounds similar to that and that I thought were shadow beats, and I was scratching. He's like, "Oh, we gotta get clearance for that. We gotta get clearance for that. We gotta get clearance." Yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like That's if you think about a lot of DJ Crush. Yeah, DJ Crush mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the late '90s DJ stuff, I mean, like, this is probably the first three 
What, what do you think was in the Bay Area? Because there were obviously a lot of like really talented, mm. you know, turntablists came about, out of the Bay Area. It was Dan. How, how does Dan the Automator fit into that? He's from the Bay, right? Yes, that's that would be later on. Uh, him and Shadow put together some stuff. I think uh, Shadow helped uh, mix introducing. Yeah. Was okay. Was, yeah. Okay. Okay, and then later I did a, some a Doctor Octagon project with Shadow, yeah, which was me, him, and Cool uh, Keith. Yeah, you yeah. did all the cuts on that, right? Uh, yeah, ninety percent of them. Yeah. That, so what was like? Did you get to meet Cool Keith at that time? Yes. What was that like? I was a, uh, well, I was already like an Ultra Magnetics fan, and I was like, man, this guy is so sick. And um, I met Cool Keith, and I told him my birthday, and he was like, oh, I got the same birthday, and we were like, oh, cool, and, shit. and then um. So he st- he was like, uh, anyway, let's let's go to the porn store. And so he wanted to go to the porn store, and we were like, what? the whole day was, oh man. Wait, wait, store. wait, wait! For our, for our younger audience, <laughs> yeah. explain what the fuck is a porn store. A porn store? Oh, they don't got those no more. <laughs> that, that doesn't exist. Yeah, okay. So there was no it's internet back then, so you had to, you know, you could just download porn off- offline nowadays. So simple now, but back then there wasn't <laughs> yeah, no internet. Days of scrambled porn. <laughs> yeah. So it was like basically like a, a, a living link that you clicked <laughs> that took you into a site. Yes, yeah. You walk you to an actual store, you can get... Go to like Petite Latina section or you can go to like <laughs> Ebony, you know... It's like a, how you call it? Uh, they yeah. got Blockbuster. They probably don't even know what Blockbuster is no more. Hollywood Video, them, them stores. In the background, they have... Uh, what the fuck Blockbuster are you did not, about, yeah. did not allow porn. Anyway, so this... <laughs> it was business a business model. <laughs> they, a, had, they had that one, uh, that ongoing series, uh, Emmanuel. That's almost <laughs> porn. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, no, no, no. So Cool Keith would go in there and he'd be like, "Well, I like this." And he would just buy a whole bunch of you know DVDs and Ooh, be, I like this. he likes he likes the you know the, the the weird stuff you know like the people with the masks on and the capes and stuff and and so totally naked. All you got on is like uh, maybe some shoes and stuff. You know something interesting or whatever. Whole black gloves and black shoes and totally naked. You know things like that. And, it's amazing because it's like I would hope that Cool Keith would like very eccentric porn. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It'd be so boring if he's like only mission, like just random, yeah. boring, hardcore. <laughs> just like hardcore porn. Yeah, that's yeah. the type of porn that Meek Mills likes. <laughs> just power fucking basic. Yeah. He likes the stuff where Jack yeah. Power, Jackhammer Port. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, you like that. He would, he would like the stuff where they put like objects in in the girls' vaginas, like random objects, not unnormal. Like stuff. in his rhymes, like how random objects he would just say random things. Yeah, he put like a microphone in the coochie and start rapping in it and things like that. <laughs> So what was he dressing like? Was he like just like he's going to the porn? Is he like in a cape at the porn store? No, no, no. He's just like, totally normal. Yeah, he's totally normal. Not and, totally normal. Well, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> he's totally, but the, what was really interesting is the one time we were driving on the road and we passed by this uh, old high school and and then um, there was a girl at the bus stop and he passed mm. by and he, hey, hey Dan, automator, stop the car right here. You bring it back wait, around. Wait, let's stop this story. Yeah. I don't like where it's going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the greatest story in shots fired history. Continue, please. <laughs> So he so he goes, uh, what do you call? It? He he just um, he he you know hey stop stop the car go go back to that girl at the bus stop. He likes you know some cute black girl and then he uh, he he said hey excuse me miss hold on one second. He goes to the back of, of the car and he he gets a picture of himself and he signs it and he goes here you go baby and then he, and with his phone number on it then he, he drives off. Okay let's go. What? <laughs> I was like I guess he does that all day. That's so that's tight. tight. Yeah amazing. That's, that's like promotion. Yeah sure why not mm-hmm. promote it to the cute chicks why not. Mm-hmm. He's a genius. Yeah. I like the story about Cool Keith at that time where he would just throw out like boxes of like like chicken wings and Capri Suns at concerts. It's awesome. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah, he would just, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what I mm-hmm. just throw out, which is just a very creative and nutritious way to promote as well. Uh, There's a lot. I don't have. I don't know I, if it's nutritious. Probably not. My sense of humor didn't develop until later in my life. But like when I was a kid, you know, my friend Mucho was really into Cool Keith and I was like, I just don't get it. 
I don't get it. <laughs> I just didn't understand that shit, you know? Uh. But now I listen to it, especially in this wacky ass time. And like, well, cool, cool Keith's, our artists like Cool Keith, it's like we have 20 Cool Keiths now, oh, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's just a gang of guys are just. None dude, of them is good as actual original. Yeah, of no, course. Good, yeah, but yeah, I'm saying the, the type cats. of character, the archetype, you know? Just like the, the free association, you know? Random word guy, mm-hmm. like yeah. that shit is a. Uh, well, it was think, ahead of his time. Well, he was know? genuinely also crazy. He was at Bellevue, like that was. Oh, for real? Yeah, no. Well, he denied it later on, but like there's, I, I found like some old source from like I, we were rap pages or something from like '94. It was like right. not. It was like the second or third Ultra Bellevue that, that like New York uh, Insane Asylum. Yeah. That, uh, see, I think a lot of people were in Bellevue because uh, I read something about. Uh, how if the cops would catch you on Sherm in New York oh, or on PCP, they would shoot you up with Thorazine Ooh. to balance you out. Like what instead of putting you in the drunk tank, you know, like or they'll put you in the drunk tank or whatever, but they would shoot you up with Thorazine and then the the PCP and the Thorazine would kind of just make you like go left, you know? Uh-huh, and a lot uh-huh. of people would have to be taken to Bellevue. Wow. wow. So that. how was it in there? I was never there. <laughs> I just heard about that, man. You, you, you trying to get me to spill my dirty secrets, kid? That, was that what this is? <laughs> yeah, no, those beats. I mean, those like I didn't get it at first too because it was a little off beat. I was like wondering why. I liked Ultra Magnetic more than I liked kind of like uh, the Octagon stuff, but then I kind of came to it later because those beats are amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Those mm-hmm. like the instrumental record, SP twelve hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. Was those wonderful. are on the SP. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Nice, nice. Did you feel like those kind of beats kind of like mirrored kind of like the kind of, well, you talk about kind of like the aliens kind of, and that, that album to me that sounds like almost like an alien. Like that would be the greatest UFO like abduction album. Like the Octagon instrumentals. Yeah. No? <laughs> yeah, I think I so. I mean, you know, uh, are what we think UFOs, what we think I aliens think when would it, be I, into. Yeah. I think aliens will have really poor taste in music. Yeah. I think aliens would like vanilla ice and shit like that. <laughs> Macklemore. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's talk about talk about the Grammy. You watch the Grammys? No, no, no. Yeah, I saw a little bit of of it and I turned it off. Which which what's the little bit that you saw? I think they showed a little of uh, Stevie Wonder, and I was like, uh, that was actually a cool performance. Okay. There were like yeah, everyone was like, come on, Stevie Wonder to play the piano. I went went up there. and I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was about that was I think the highlight. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Kendrick Lamar's performance, I thought was that was dope. Cool. Yeah. That was dope. He made me almost like Imagine Dragons. Totally, that's exactly. Right. I was like, <laughs> I, well, no, because when I was, I, I did a story where I went out to Vegas. And I was interviewing Kendrick Lamar, so I watched the rehearsal, mm-hmm. and that band Imagine Dragons, I think, like, not even good enough to be in the Illuminati. Okay, they're just like <laughs> this boring dubstep rock hybrid uh, fusion oh band. God, yeah. And uh, all they're, but they're Mormon. They're like very religious and straight. Although one guy was smoking a spliff outside, so I'm gonna. Yeah, he, I didn't put it in the story, but I'm gonna out him on shots fired. That's <laughs> that's the one who's like level and is not gonna kill a stripper one day. <laughs> yeah, those guys will. The all other guys will kill a hooker. Totally, somewhere. they're so amped up. Anyways, yeah. but I, the publicist was like, Kendrick's publicist was like, this is pretty dope, and I was like, look. This I was like, if anyone can pull this off, he's probably the only person. But if it was anybody else, this would be the wackiest shit ever. And that was right; he pulled it off. But it was yeah, yeah. It would have been the worst performance in rap history. I mean, to be totally otherwise. honest, like the energy, the energy fit, and like I don't really hate that song. Like I just make I hate fun of song. the. I make I make fun of the name Imagine Dragons because that sounds like a fucking chain of uh, cards that you put down in Magic: The Gathering. That'll fucking. <laughs> You know, that'll, like, beat your opponent. You know, that's all. You know, but, uh, yeah, that was good. So so how did, um, back to the music stuff, how did, mm. so how did the, when did the Scratch Pickles officially form? And, like, what was the, the original lineup was you, Mixmaster Mike, was Shortcut in the original lineup, too? Yeah, sure. There was uh, DJ Flair, DJ Disc, uh, Apollo, Mixmaster Mike, and myself. Then D-Styles came in, and Yoga Frog, and then later on A-Track. Uh-huh. 
um, as oh, he was, was 14 years old. Yeah. 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 I didn't know he was a scratch book. I thought he was just like, I thought it was like, he just co-signed. I thought he was just a little homie. Kind of gay was that, you know, he was, we saw him in a DJ battle in, in Canada. And mm-hmm. um, this is after we became the visible scratch pickles because Crazy Legs had made us the Rock City DJs. Yeah. Then we started doing our thing and all of a sudden hey, um, we, we get a call like, hey, we're Rock City DJs too. Like, oh, you guys are too. So all these people were turning up as Rock City DJs yeah. because Crazy Legs kept making more. And so yeah. we had to make our own name. So we yeah. made invisible scratch pickles. Huh. But then A-Track, he was in a, a battle in um, Canada. Me and Yoga Frog were judging it. And we're like, hey, check out this little kid. He's actually you know got some potential <laughs> so yeah. we, then we put him down and and we we made him win the competition in in uh canada as yeah. a little kid then he went on to win you know world championships and all yeah. that and of course now he's a huge star yeah and he's, he's like a he started a, a fool's gold right that's right yeah. fool's gold record yeah How and that got- is the that is the like hipster record label that's like mm, you know yes. when you think about it right yeah with a track did he have like hipster inclination back, <laughs> back in that day spot the a little i started seeing it a little bit as uh as he was turning to like 17 he, he started uh, french putting so. the little lines in his hair and all that and like, <laughs> okay, all that yeah he was just a, he was just a flashy dude like a like a swaggy dude back sure then. sure yeah 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 okay yeah. okay how did you guys come up with the name, The Invisible Scratch? It was a lot of uh, LSD and mushrooms. Uh, yeah. You know, we're just uh, making up all these names and we're just cracking up and joking around and we're saying all these stupid names. That was the stupidest one, so we kept it. <laughs> that's yeah. how, That's how like, Fortune 500 companies should name products in boardrooms. Acid. <laughs> you know, they get together off LSD, like, all right, so we have this new detergent that, you know... You know, you don't have to put it in the dryer, you know, it just dries your clothes for you. What are we going to call it? It's called butt whitener. Yeah, exactly. That'd be tight. So, yeah, I was going to ask about, yeah, because you can see Wave Twisters is a very psychedelic project. Absolutely, yeah. We yeah. tried to make it, uh, everything that we put out would be, you know, f- for people that were, like, having a great time on uh, fungus. Yeah. Damn. You thought about the people taking fungus. <laughs> That's an interesting demographic. It's, it was a very, the, the spiritual type, you know, um, uh, stuff to be like oh wow this is this is you know cool yeah now how did um how kind of so when in the late 90s like how was the bay area in the early 2000s how was the bay area scene uh like evolve how did how did you notice it evolving kind of where did you guys kind of see yourself fitting in it or were you guys pretty much at that point touring all over the world like we were just uh kind of doing our own thing you Mm -hmm. know and 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 everyone had their own type of thing even Mm -hmm. in the bay everyone was doing their own thing and you know it wasn't like we weren't in a situation where people had to be like, you got to be like this to fit in, you yeah. know, it was, it was more for San Francisco was be your own thing was the rules, be yeah. original and do your be unique was was you know the focus, and so we had our little okay, we're gonna do it like this, and we're gonna we're gonna treat this as a musical instrument and be like uh, jazz musicians in hip hop. Yeah, that's what you play that low end theory. This will air weeks later, mm-hmm. but you played mm-hmm. there just recently, the, the the previous Wednesday. Okay, and um. Once a night, I say something kind of smart, and I say something kind of smart. I was like, because I remember being younger, I was just always in the end of the rap stuff, but I had a DJ, my homie Hector, DJ Handprints, who, mm-hmm. you know, I would take him to battles, and he would take me to, like, turntablism shows and mm-hmm. whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, I'm not, like, one of those dudes that are, like, like, like uh, guys that are like, I just listen to jazz records and all that stuff. I'm not one of those those guys. Like, I, that's, it, it never came across me, but the the my, I guess the closest experience that I had to one of those great jazz moments was a show that you had at the Knitting Factory a long, long time ago. The Knitting Factory when it was in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard. And, you know, it was like a lot of things were just happening on the fly. And I respected it coming from a freestyle background or whatnot. But I was like, man, this is the closest thing to seeing, like, you know, live improv jazz that I may ever see in my life. And it looks like 
you know, a happening party, you know, and I, this is probably how those old jazz parties felt when somebody was just wailing away on the saxophone and then kind of came up with a new cadence that was never before used before then. Because I'm pretty sure you maybe you probably bump into new cadences on like, accident, on sure, accident all the time. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do they become a part of your repertoire after that? You know, I'll do I'll record and stuff and and, and like a whole hour of nonsense scratching, then I'll, like little snippets here and like oh that's a good little um accident right there I'll, I'll try to keep that and then uh, you throw that little uh memory into your uh lineup of composed scratches and stuff okay cool 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 how many scratches would you say you've like uh i mean it's kind of a hard question because you don't brag but like how many scratches would you say the crab scratch was, was how you? big is your scratch yeah like your, i mean <laughs> you, scratching I, I guess good, and also to follow up like do you ever get mad like when you see someone kind of like ripping your shit off no, absolutely not. It's it's uh it's we're here to to help people and, and create things and you know put it out there. We we have a school and we teach and stuff and it's it's all about sharing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's people don't even know this. It's so simple. Uh, the whole law of karma. You know, you put stuff out, it's gonna come back to you. You know, so definitely want to keep on educating people and, and giving people information and and it's gonna come back. You put out secrets. You're gonna get a new secret, you yeah. know. So just keep on putting, giving stuff to See, people. See, that's what my homie Mucho yeah. told me about bitches. Like he says, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, like if you come through with the party and you got some bitches, like don't try to hoard them. Like mm-hmm. you know, introduce them to the homies, and like you know, <laughs> next time when the homies come through with bitches, then like they'll bring some bitches and you'll get some new bitches. And not everybody, my fr- not my friend, no <laughs> girls <Bro>. with dicks. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so I was going to say, you know, were there any jazz musicians that you guys kind of like uh, in particular who you kind of modeled kind of, or you just, you kind of saw like an analog with your, mm. the way that they approach jazz that you guys, or you particularly approach? Sure, I remember this, this one time, uh, was it uh, me, Yoga Frog, D-Styles, and Mixed Master Mike and the guys, we would, uh, we were in this whole, uh, I call it, uh, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, um, all those, um, you know, all those Jazz greats, they were playing around, the, uh, was it the, one of the 40s or whatever, and they were doing this thing uh, called, um, uh, uh, not bebop, what was after bebop, the the slow stuff, what do you call it? Uh, uh, cool jazz. Yeah, cool jazz. No more cool jazz, and we were like listening to the patterns and stuff, and it was like, ugh, sick, we could do scratches like that, and, and we were getting into all the, uh, the eras of, of jazz, and because and, bebop was, everyone was trying to go as fast as they can, and then um, Miles Davis and them, they, they, they took this thing and, and called it cool jazz where they were like, man, forget this, let's go the opposite direction and just play like crazy chill music that was like the patterns are, are just, you know, very hypnotic and slow yeah. over long periods of time. And that was like so um, like mind blowing. That's really Do you cool. think, mm-hmm. you know how like that one record you guys, it was like influenced from like psychedelics. Do you think their stuff might have been influenced by certain eras in the drug wave? Like definitely. Oh, they were doing heroin, a lot of heroin back then. Sure. Heroin. I mean, I'm not telling people to do any drugs and stuff you know there's there's a, a better way you know you just meditate or just be happy be a kid when you're when you have your kid energy your 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 body has its own drug and stuff and so yeah yeah you meditate? So, oh yeah nowadays i do yeah. it because back, back in the days i was like man i can't be doing you know do, doing these drugs for creativity there's got to be a better way and so then I, I stopped smoking weed for like three years and i learned about um just being happy and being a kid and and that's the secret real secret of, of being cre- creative and stuff yeah 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 that's crazy. That's actually like uh, it's interesting. We were talking about that the other day about like how Kanye it was like a Kanye was saying that too, like how we had to, and Kendrick was actually when I did the interview with him too. He was saying like I don't know. I think it's just interesting. White Stripes is that song Little Room. You've heard that song Little mm-hmm. Room. It's just basically the whole concept is that you know when you get famous and you're playing in these big rooms, like you, the whole point of all you want to do is think about how you got started in your little room, kind of like the early moments of creation. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like now you've done like. Did you feel like that still? Like you know, you, it's always a matter of getting back to that original 
creative fun to flourish. Sure, you know, I smoke weed a lot every day, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't get creative. I need to smoke weed. And mm-hmm. then, then I read this thing like it takes about three months to clear your mind from weed. So then I, said, right, let me just try it. Let me see what happens. So I stopped smoking weed for three months, and my mind cleared, and I got my my you know creativity back and all that. And you know, and so I had stopped for three years. And um, yeah, that that really works, you know. And it, it just if you just become like a child again, it you know all this. Magic happens. Yeah. yeah, and your pineal gland clears up all that stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. So at the height of, um, you know, when you guys were doing all the DMCs, did you were you guys in the executioners always pretty cool? Was there ever like a, you know, because there was like the East West kind of in rap? Was there ever like an East West kind of thing? In, there, there in, was, yeah, because uh, there was no internet at the time, and they had a style which was like two turntables juggling a lot, and we had a style that was, you know, trying to make scratching, you know jazzy or whatever mm-hmm. and so um when we would ba- i mean we were friends like after we would battle yeah. we'd go to dinner after and kick it and cap on each other but um with the competitions oh we would we would practice like crazy to try to get them because they were really good we even we even practiced juggling too and incorporate that with scratching so it was like mma yeah. back then you know they got the grappling the groundwork and you got the uh the stand-up you know we were more stand-up they were like groundwork and then we had to kind of put both together to battle them yeah yeah, yeah. Because nowadays it's both together. You got to know both. Yeah. Well, so it turned to what I'm noticing. I like. I notice that there's a lot of dudes that are part of like this newer wave of music that are uh, that are uh, like former turntablists, mm-hmm. like like Hudson Mohawk, mm-hmm. super turn turntablist mm-hmm. and super and fan. You know, mm-hmm. no such thing. Turntablist. Yeah, he was like, yeah. I mean, he found about yeah. Lowen on the D Styles message board. Yeah, Cashmere Cat. He's a turn. He's like a former DMC champion. Mm-hmm. And these are these young kids making these new age beats that are, you know, it, you wouldn't even think that there was a connection with it or mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. So, um, and even that dude Uzi was a former former turntablist, sure, the guy, sure, the trap sure. guy with the mask on. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, do you think? Uh, I guess the question that I'm trying trying to get get around to. Do you think? Uh, like. Like, do you have to kind of hide that? Because it seems like the artists that use that skill, yeah. or they, they kind of hide it, you know? And I don't think you have to anymore. You don't think you have to hide it? At first, it was, like, kind of embarrassing, like, trying to, you know, sell out. But it's like, yeah, man, do it. It's all good. You know, who cares, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think turntablism will, like, have, like, uh, some sort of resurgence uh, with, like, newer generations of kids? Like, you know, in... Because, I mean, it was it was in the forefront. It was in the forefront of, like, of, like you know... Uh, like hip hop at, mm-hmm. at at a point in time, mm-hmm. and it's and it seems like the guys, the guys that have the ability to do it are just making like you know pretty pretty beats and like electronic music. Mm. Do you think uh, is there anybody that you're looking at right now that uses that right now and makes it look cool? Mm. Like, is there anybody that you you know? Oh, there's tons. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of guys. Um, but it's it's it for us. It's never. But left. not from your generation because yeah. you guys put the kibosh mm-hmm, down and mm-hmm, made it crack. But I'm yeah. talking about younger kids. You know. Oh man, all like, these kids, all the low end theory type stuff. That's all like beautiful music. Yeah, stuff. yeah, that's all great. Everyone on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to ask you about the Project Blow stuff. Man, you ask me about Project Blow. When I when I first heard that, I was like, damn, these guys. You know, they're making some really creative, you know, stuff. And I was like, really yeah. happy to uh, to check that out. It was really, you know, like. We're just gonna go left field and go left field of the left field. It was like yeah. that was that was dope. One thing I can say about Project Blow, which made it interesting, it was uh when I, I was telling bus driver when I got there, it was uh there was every type of person in LA there. It wasn't like you know like uh how how you would see like on like in media or whatnot, like like even right now when it happens, it's kind of a big thing, you know, it'd be like 
you know, Rick Ross gets on the song with Lord and like that, like that is like amazing, you know. <laughs> but like back at Project Blow, they'll they'd be like, you know, like super like poppy dudes and like some random like yeah, white like girl singer. Like Skilo was but, like our regular Project Blow, which yeah, blows my, or, you know. But really, but really gangster dudes yeah. too, and then really like you know, uh, conscious guys. It was like every type of rapper and every type of dancer and every type of graffiti artist you know in our city at one point in time under the same roof and there's no way and it's every thursday for like hours at a time so there's no way even on the worst night it wasn't a hot bed for creativity you know what i'm saying you guys should do that again project blowing theory yeah that would that'd be fun i don't even know if that how that would go started logistically started <laughs> get, get start collecting MCs and was there a place producers? like that in the Bay Area when you guys were kind of coming up like a place that kind of a one place that really fostered creativity and uh, we just we had a little club called uh, Club Deco uh-huh. and we would there was um we could play whatever we want there we were like okay because we were like anti commercialism so we play whatever B Boy breaks and weird strange music at that time and it was like two people in the audience <laughs> and that was fun what was weird was the two people that were in the audience was this guy from New York uh, LP. Mm-hmm. And his homie, and he gave me one of his records. Um, we've had LP on the like company, LP on the pack, pack. Yeah, he uh, had him on the podcast last. Yeah. Well, he his episode came out a couple weeks ago. Oh, dope! Yeah, yeah. he just did a, a beat on my record, and nice. I, so, I did a, some scratches on his yeah, thing what, for trade. But um, yeah, and after after a while, the club it was lying lying around the block, just like a, a low end three was, and it was like a little small place. And what part of the city was that? This in? was in 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 the tenderloin in the um the TL. Yes. Yeah. The asshole of the universe. That's right. The body of hair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Although, no, like, I was going to ask you, are you still, are you still, do you still live in the Bay? Yes, I do. Yeah. What, what do you think of kind of the way, uh, and lately there have been kind of a lot of, you know, did you hear about that? They like, they throw a rock at like a Google bus because people are what? protesting all the shuttles because the city's kind of gentrifying and getting more and more and more and getting really expensive. Wow. Yeah. You know, what do you think about like in the Bay Area right now and kind of how it's changed and it's just all, sf has always been expensive unless well, you definitely. live in like the if you, unless you're living in the mission or mm-hmm. you know but now it's like even the mission is incredibly sure. expensive and the tenderloin is it incredibly is get, expensive. it's gonna get harder for the the people that are you know aren't very rich and stuff well a lot of musicians i think are moving out because it's like really hard to kind of like there was a big article about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. have you i mean do you, what part well, a lot of people are moving to oakland too right yeah i think so but i think a lot mm-hmm. of people are just like it's so expensive and it's all the uh, uh silicon valley mm-hmm. uh you know technology what people part of the you live in I live in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Do you still do you still feel the same way about it you did when you were kind of younger? I mean, obviously it's going to change with age. Um. Well, you know, everything changes. It's normal and stuff. But the the mentality of being a musician and and making stuff is always the kid in me. So yeah, yeah, totally. You know, it's same life for me. I just wake up, scratch, make beats. It's fun. Oh yeah, that's an amazing life too. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask about the new stuff too. Usually you have a new album. That's co- I have uh, two albums that that are coming out at the same time. One one is. F- the, the the story is uh, one's from outer space, like a, a whatever we were talking about the Grammys or like a galactic federation of music out there in outer space mm. called the Galactic Scratch Federation. And this record uh, called Extraterrestria is a album of a collection of all these songs from all those planets in outer space. Oh, so wow. it's all this scratch music and stuff. And I was just making a, um, each song totally different. So it's like that planet's signature of scratch music or whatever. It's like their scratch anthem. That's Something cool. like that. Yes, absolutely. Have then, you ever seen any? Have you ever kind of had an, a, like an extraterrestrial experience or seen anything? Or um, possibly on the side of my eye, little things happen mm-hmm. here, or, or like I'll I'll ask a question and all of a sudden the little I call it, uh, some something will happen and answer me in a weird, strange way or whatever. Like a record will fall on me. Like, oh. I guess I got to use that, you know, yeah, but yeah. nothing super crazy or anything. I, oh, I did see, uh, I did see a UFO um, 
me and my uh, my ex-girlfriend were lying on the couch one time looking at the stars. And then I saw these three dots in the sky, like a triangle formation, and they started spinning. And they just took off in outer space. I was like, that ain't no airplane. Hell no. They just look like stars. And they just spun and just went out in outer space. That's crazy. That's about it. But anyway, so that's the one album, the outer space album. And then I got another album, which is Down to Earth, which is, you know, hip-hop beats with, with MCs rapping on it mm-hmm. and, and scratching in the breaks. Mm-hmm. And um, the Earth tried to import that to the Galactic Federation to get into onto that extraterrestrial album. But because Earth is very uh, negative still and on, you know, how, you know, it's a reflection of Earth. You know, all the, yeah. you know, they're talking about hoes and, and gangs and, and, and what do you, whatever, drugs and, and money and, and all that stuff. So that's on that album, which is a reflection of Earth. And that... Um, is called Galaxian, which is uh, yeah. The uh, aliens don't want that energy over there. Because yeah, because they, they're they're wanna, too advanced. We'll go over there, then we'll pimp their hoes, <laughs> then we'll get them all addicted to drugs, <laughs> and then we'll start fucking. It's like what happened in fucking El Salvador. You know about that, right? The no. Modern, okay. <laughs> yeah. So the aliens are too advanced. They're into music that heals people and create you know beautiful things and all this stuff. So it's it's a different vibe. So so that's the two albums. And so we have a Kickstarter. If you go to uh, djcubert.com, you can. Uh, uh, you know, throwing a buck or two and, and help us make this whole album, which is if you open the cover of one of the albums, you, it'll be a controller with Bluetooth and you can control the music with your what? hands and stuff. Yeah. Oh. And then there's another, uh, on the other album, there's a vinyl, which is nine, nine records. Imagine nine records make, makes a square. And then they're, they're picture discs. Imagine it's just a big picture, but they're cut out as puzzle pieces, mm. all the vinyl. So you put all the nine puzzle pieces together, makes a big giant picture disc. That's, That's cool. nice. What are you and trying to come out with them, bud? Um, pretty soon, as soon as possible. I think we're three weeks into the kickst or two weeks into the Kickstarter mm-hmm. now. So another two weeks, if if it all goes good, then we'll come out with all this stuff. And then we also have our new um, TRX mixer, uh-huh. which was the last one we made uh, sold out real quick. So in order to get this new one, we're only making two hundred of them. You can you can only get them on our um, DJCuber.com. That's cool. I bet like DJs go up to. I mean, I'm sure every day of your life you must get like asked for. Ad- what do you tell people when they ask you for advice on like how to kind of be a great DJ, a great scratcher, a great mixer? Well, there's a lot of advice. I mean, the best advice I got was like uh, Jimi Hendrix said, uh, practice, practice, and then practice again. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was a good one. And of course, the, the, the normal stuff, be original, make up your own rules, and, and, and you know, just use your unique fingerprint to make your sound you know, different. Was there like one specific moment that you remember having where it kind of clicked and you kind of like realized you'd kind of gone past that apprenticeship stage where you were kind of studying and then kind of became like an original artist? Uh, yeah, it would have to be been, um, cause oh, earlier I was talking about how I used to bite Mixmaster Mike yeah. all the time. And so I was just kind of like, you know, biting Mixmaster Mike. I didn't have a unique style. And so when Mike had left town after a couple, whatever years, um, I don't know, I think it was, um, three years of biting his style. And so after that, I was like, damn, who am I going to bite now? I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so I would... That's when I would imagine Mixmaster Mike, like, I wonder what he's doing right now. And I would come up with all these ideas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, wait, I'm coming up with kind of like my own uh, style with this uh, formula by imagining. And I said, like, well, shit, what about an a alien DJ that was better than everyone that shot me with lasers <laughs> like that? And I was, um, <laughs> I would imagine the craziest DJ on a different planet. And then I would really get into some strange ideas. And that's when I started developing my own style. That's tight. That is tight. So then are you guys going to do more like, uh, for the rest of the year, are going to do like more Invisible Scratch Pickle show? Are you going to do a lot, are you going to tour? Let's sure, I hope so. Yeah, definitely. It, it was, it's really fun playing with uh, D-Styles and Shortcut. And of course, Mixmaster Mike is, is uh, 
genius too. We actually did something at the the Nam show. But Damn, I missed it. I heard about it though. My yeah, Twitter was blown up. It was fun. It was we were, we were clowning around on stage and 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 Short got up there and tore it up and and Mike was on the mic. <laughs> really? Mike was on the mic. Q was on the Q. Yeah. Short got a short. How did that? Not it's funny because it seems like Mixed Master Mike. He's almost like. Invisible scratch pickles, you guys are like a fucking the Navy SEALs of turntablism, you know? Like, sooner or later, somebody's going to get... Like, I, every, like you know, D was... We we had to get D for low in theory, mm-hmm, you know? It was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, like, he's fucking amazing. Absolutely, like, yeah. We got to ha- have him be a part of it. It's like it's like a really good... It's a really good team to go through. Or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mixmaster Mike, he's he's like the turntablist, turntablist for whoever's fucking hot in hip-hop at the time. He was the turntablist Beastie, for the Beastie yeah. Boys, and then fought later on Little Wayne... And who else is he? Who else is he like? Oh, who's, back? That, who's that drummer? Travis Barker. Yeah, yeah. Travis Barker. Yeah. Travis yeah. Who's that? There's that other drummer from uh, Motley Crue. Uh, Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee. Yeah. Oh yeah. He works with everybody. Yeah. Mike. How, Mike how did, uh, was just. Uh, he did. Did you see that thing he did with the the president? Or like he was scratching for the president and oh, Obama yeah. was head bobbing like. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> it was he so was funny. freaking scratching for for like Barack Obama. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, on look on look on Mike's Instagram. He he gets up on the you know the podium where the president says his speech and Mike's pretending like he's giving a speech. It's like yeah. we need changes in hip hop. It's a funny picture. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. Yeah, how how did how did Mike how how did how did that happen with Mike? Like how did how like from from you seeing like you know. This this amazing DJ as a kid. See, like, how how did you see? How did this these things happen with him? Because that just seems like, I don't know. It seems like almost like out of this world. You know, Mike is Mike is a very special individual. He he was way like experimental music kind of like guy already. He was against everything. He was a, a rebel. It was he had hip hop in the beginning was was punk rock. Mm-hmm. It was it was you know rebellious against everything. And Mike was the same way. He was a rebellious against everything. He took all the sounds he liked. And just put it in, into a big mix uh, melting pot and mm-hmm. made his own thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish more people would be like that. Because that's what the roots of hip-hop was, was experimental, mm-hmm. you know, music. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how I felt with the uh, Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze music. Mm. Like, I mean, that, because that, I mean, you're just combining a lot of, like, was that kind of what you were bumping at the time? Were you bumping mostly hip-hop? And, like, how did you kind of come up with the idea for that record? Oh, yeah. Uh, that uh, Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze, yeah. that was we. Like I said earlier, we were listening to uh, Grand Wizard Theodore and yeah. Grandmaster Flash. And, um, oh, there he is running. He came through the door. Uh-huh. And um, we're all going to s- oh, scratch right now. Yeah, check out, listen to that creaky sound. Yeah. Um, the, um, yeah, it was just that. Just yeah. listening to that, and I was like, oh, that's very rebellious. You know, yeah. you ain't supposed to be doing that type of stuff. And so... Do you feel like hip hop has sort of lost like its rebellious spirit? You know, music in general is is very not rebellious. So people are 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 more sheep. You know, like the majority of people are sheep. So it's just normal that they would copy uh, what's trending or what's what's in in fashion or what's like everyone's doing or everyone's cool. They want to do this. Let's do that. You know, but it's like very rare to have rebels. You yeah. know. But um, are there people that you kind of see like as the kind of that kind of continue on that rebel spirit, maybe of like this younger generation? Oh, yeah. Like Gaslamp Killer. That's a that's a rebel. You know, uh, a lot of guys in low end theory are rebels and, uh, you know, people that that just go against the grain. Like, uh, I don't know. I there, you just like, like I said, it's not that many. But when you when you if you dig hard enough, you'll you'll hear a lot of, uh, you know, people with that punk rock attitude that wants to go, you know, against the grain. That's cool. So what's the best way like for people to find you like at cuber.com? 
djqbert.com. That's cool. I was going to ask also before we go, uh, were you a big fan of the video game, Qbert? Is that where the name came? Not at all, no. Not at all? No. <laughs> I sucked at your flow right there. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, they just called me that because my last name started with a, a Q, and it was like a really bad joke. Someone was like, Qbert, ho, ho. And yeah, it, it stuck. stuck. And then I, I did a, like some kind of DJ thing, and they were like, oh, it's DJ Qbert. And I was like, no, nah, that ain't my name. That ain't my name. I'm DJ, you know, thrashing whatever, Fred or something. But then the name just stuck. And I was like, ah, whatever, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's truly hood, like when you don't pick your own nickname. <laughs> uh, or like, Southern. It's Southern. But, you yeah. know, it's like it's just anybody who picks their nickname or their, their rap name, yeah. i.e. like Rick Ross, you know? The only person that got away with it was Kobe with the Black Mamba. <laughs> the Black Mamba. But even then, it just, it just sounds like a fucking monument to thyself, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, if he was like... You know, did you come up with not come DJ up with a no large penis? It was a fucking joke that stuck because I won a battle. I was like, I would, I would battle under these funny names. Oh yeah, and I won a battle under No Can Do. And That's a then, good name. I like it. And I had to keep it <laughs> because I thought I was famous in L.A. Because <laughs> I won a battle. <laughs> it was fucking All right, cool. At the elements, yeah. Well, thanks for coming through. Hey, I thanks for having that. me. Yeah. I don't even think I won that battle. I think I just got to the third round. <laughs> That's good uh, enough. Good enough. Fucking shots fired. DJ Kubert, Jeff Weiss, <laughs> No Can Do. We're using that sound effect for every fucking episode. What you know about it? <laughs> Loudspeakers Network. Oh yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get to, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to you later, bro. We're gonna get to you, Reggie. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.